This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Family, are you ready for the word? Won't you stand with me? We're going to open in prayer, and then we'll get straight into it. And while you are standing, I want to take this opportunity and thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for the privilege and honor for allowing me to minister the word of God this evening. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, we want to thank you for this awesome day. This is a day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, as always, we remind ourselves that without you, we can do nothing. This is your church. Come and have your way. I ask you to come and speak through me tonight, that I would say exactly what you'd have your family receive. I do not trust in my own ability, but totally depend upon you. And Father, my prayer is that every ear is open to hear, every heart is ready to receive, and every life will change as a result of your word. And we give you alone all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Well, you may take your seats, everybody. Um, I encourage you always to bring a Bible, bring a notepad, write down, take notes. And if for whatever reason you haven't got that, you can go to our church app, not the church center app, the church app. If you go in there, open it up, you'll see in the bottom left-hand side, it says notes. Click on that. There'll be an outline of the message this evening, and you can just fill it in, take some additional notes as you go on from there. Well, as you may, may know, we started a new series last Sunday evening titled All In. How many of you were here for All In? You were all in. Okay, wonderful. Well, Pastor Jenny started it off, did a great job with that message, really encouraging us that we need to take next steps, go all in in taking next steps so we can grow in the things of God. And so it was a really powerful message, and obviously I'm going to continue with the part two of this. And I want to talk to you tonight about going all in in good works. And so that's the title of the message, or the subtitle is Created for Good Works. Well, what does that actually mean? What, what do we want to do when we refer to good works? And we're going to look at something specific that applies to every single believer. This is not about your talents or your gifts, okay? Some people may be talented to sing. Some people may be talented to work with their hands. Some people are talented as teachers and so on and so forth. I'm not talking about those good works. And you'll see tonight that there is a good work that all of us need to be doing as believers. And what is that? How do we go about it? And so our theme scripture, which Pastor Jenny used last weekend, and I want to read to you, to you again, is Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. So let's read this from the NIV, and this is what it says. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what's important there is we understand that no matter how many good works we do, if we're doing that to earn right standing with God, it's not going to work. So the good works we are doing do not earn us right standing with God. They do not get us little brownie points to say, hey, man, you're a champion. It's not for that. Pastor Jenny said it so well last week. She said, we're not saved by good works, but we're saved to do good works. So as a child of God, we are to go out there and do good works. Why? Because it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And they see that goodness in what we do. But I love what it said in the last portion of that verse. It says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
So this is something that he had planned for us to do way before you said yes to Jesus. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for every person's life. Whether they will say yes to Jesus or not, he still has a plan for their life. And their plan is to go and make a difference. I love what Mark Twain said. Mark Twain said this, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. The day you are born and the day you find out why. You see, you're not here by accident. If you think, well, you're just going through life, okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be, you're missing out on God's plan for your life. He has a plan and a purpose for you. It's our responsibility to discover what that is, okay? And obviously, if you do our growth track and you go through that, we'll help you and you'll be able to discover what you're best designed and created to do by the gifts and talents that are on your life. But tonight specifically, I wanna speak in a different way. You see, family, some people feel they have discovered what their purpose is. They're living it out, they know what they're on this planet for, and they are going for it. Some feel, well, I don't really know. I don't know what I'm created for. I don't know what my good work should be that I should be doing. I haven't yet discovered that. I don't know what God wants me to do. And it's kind of like an Easter egg hunt. You're looking for that golden egg, but you never find it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, our family from time to time would hide eggs in the Easter eggs in the garden. Now, before I carry on, please, I'm not promoting the Easter bunny. Okay, we're not a church that promotes the Easter bunny, but let's be honest, we like the chocolates. Okay, and if you are a parent, you know, you know that the Easter eggs are really for you, not for the kids. So when the family gave all the Easter eggs to the kids, you smiling because you know they're never going to see one of them. Okay, but anyway, when we were growing up, you'd have these Easter egg hunts and you'd put eggs, the families would put eggs in the garden all over where the kids can see them. It wasn't really too difficult, but there was the golden egg, which they hid. And that's the one the kid had to seek and find out. And this is the challenge. If you've got more than one child and you've only got one golden egg, that equals fist fights. So you must always have more than one golden egg. And this is the key. God has a golden egg for each one of us. We want to discover what that is. And tonight, we want to find out what that is. For some people, that's the picture of their lives. What is this thing God has created me to do? I don't know. I'm looking. I'm trying different things, but I haven't necessarily found it. What is my purpose? And that's what we're going to help you with tonight. We are going to help you find the golden egg. So are you ready? We're going to do that. Where's the best place to start? Is always at the beginning. So we want to read the part of the creation story, and we're going to go there in a moment. But before we read the creation story in Genesis, I have a different creation story I want to read to you. This will really explain life a little bit. And this is what it says. On the first day, God created the dog and said, sit still all day by the door of your house, bark at anyone who comes in who walks past, for this I will give you a lifespan of 20 years. The dog said, that's a long time to be barking. How about only 10 years and I'll give you back the 10? So God agreed with the dog. On the second day, God created the monkey and said, entertain people, do tricks and make them laugh. For this, I will give you a 20-year lifespan. The monkey said, monkey tricks for 20 years? That's pretty long time to perform. How about I give you back 10 like the dog did, and God agreed with the monkey. On the third day, God created the cow and said, You must go into the field with the farmer all day long and suffer under the sun. 
have calves and give milk to support the farmer's family. For this, I will give you a lifespan of 60 years. The cow said, that's kind of a tough life you want me to live for 60 years. How about 20 and I'll give back the other 40? And God agreed again. On the fourth day, God created man and said, eat, sleep, play and marry and enjoy your life. For this I will give you 20 years. But the man said, only 20 years? Could you possibly give me my 20? The 40 the cow gave back, the 10 the monkey gave back, and the 10 the dog gave back. That makes 80. Are we good with that, Lord? And God said, okay, you asked for it. So that is why the first 20 years we eat, sleep, play, and enjoy ourselves. For the next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. For the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandchildren. And for the last 10 years, we sit on the stoop or the porch and bark at anyone who walks by. <laughs> that is the meaning of life. Thank you for coming. Let's close in prayer. <clears throat> okay. Well, let's get to the real story. But I know some of you feel just like that. I don't have any grandchildren, so no barking for me. Or monkey tricks, eh? Anyway. So let's go to Genesis chapter 1 and read from verse 26. So from this portion of Scripture, we're going to extract some truths about what is this good works we should do. So it says here in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move on the ground. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then we jump down to verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. And so this evening, family, let's talk about the works we are created to do. We're going to learn some truths out of this portion of Scripture as we go on this evening. And so I want to start off, I'm going to give you three points. We're going to have a look at why our work matters. And the first one is this, why do our works matter? The first one is that we are made in His image. I am made in His image. Look what it says again in Genesis 1:26. It says this, then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. You know, if you're a parent or a grandparent, one of the greatest compliments you can ever get is if somebody says to you, gee, your son or your daughter, they look just like you. If you're a grandparent and say, gee, they look just like you, or, or some of their mannerisms are the same as yours, and they say, you know, little Johnny's got the same mannerisms as you. That's a great compliment, right? It's a great compliment to have. If they say they look just like you, except if you look like Pastor Under. But um, <laughs> I'm sorry for his children. But anyway, generally speaking, I owed you that from the last time. Eh? Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, it's a great compliment, right? Seriously, if they say your children look like you, or they have the same mannerisms as you do. And family, we need to understand this. You and I, we are the crown jewel of God's creation. You and I are the crown jewel of God's creation. You see, we are made in the image of God. Think about that for a moment. 
I mean, animals, as good as they are, I mean, I've got two dogs at home. One's a Siberian Husky, the other one is a doorstopper. I mean, I mean a, a Yorkie, okay. <laughs> it's just a little doorstopper. That guy does nothing, absolutely nothing. He's just to sit on your lap all day. The Husky will talk to you and do tricks and shake hands and all those things, you know. But that Yorkie just sits and does nothing. Yeah, it just does zero. But anyway, they're wonderful, right? Animals are great. They're good, and and they are created by God, but they're not made in His image. They're not stamped with His image. I mean, think of creation. We live in a beautiful country, right? I mean, it's a great country, and and many of us here, my wife, and we love to travel around the country and look at just our beautiful country, the most amazing sunrises and sunsets. We've been to some just absolutely breathtaking places which I didn't even know existed in our country. And I love that. I love being out there in nature. And, it, and it's, it's beautiful, and it's created in God, but it's not stamped with the image of God, even though it's that beautiful. But you and I are created and stamped with the image of God. That's what we are. We are created and stamped with the image of God. You know, if God had a cell phone, you would be on his speed dial. If he had a fridge, your picture would be on the door, if he had one. You see, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? What does it mean? Well, family, we are different than all of creation, as we've just briefly looked at. We are completely different than all other creation. Us, human beings, we can reason. We have complex language. We can solve difficult problems. We can create. We can describe our thoughts and feelings. We can do all of those things. But there's more to it than that. You see, this portion of scripture that was written in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where it says that you and I are made in the image of God, you need to understand that that portion of scripture was written way after it happened. It wasn't penned the day it happened. You figure that out, right? It wasn't penned then. It was penned way after it actually happened. And why is that important to know? Because the people who lived at that time, when the, when the, when the scriptures were written, they had a very clear understanding of kings and kingdoms. They understood it very differently to the way we do today. The people who lived there on earth understood the concept of kingdoms and images of kings. They knew what that meant. You see, kingdoms may have been very large back then, massive spanses of land, and travel back then was extremely slow. We didn't have modern transport, so if a king had to travel across his land, it would take him a long time maybe even weeks or months, depending on the size of his kingdom, right? And so what they would do is, because of that, they would build statues or images of kings, and they would erect those images all over his land. That's what they would do. If you go up to Europe, sometimes you still see statues of great kings and things like that. And they would build those statues, and they would erect them and place them all over the land, and this is what it would mean. It let everybody know that the king's rule extended to wherever his image was found. The king's rule extended to wherever his image was found. That's very important for us to understand. You're made in the image of God. You see where we're going? We're going. You see, this image of the king said that although the king may be far away, his rule extends right here. His rule extends right here. You might not see him. He might be 100 miles away, 100 kilometers away, but his rule extends to wherever that image was found. And family, we need to understand that you and I are created to be image bearers of the one true God. 
And his kingdom rule should extend to wherever we are. People should see that. They should see that in our lives. They should see something different. You see, we are the image of God on the earth today. We are created to be a graphic image of who the creator is. That's what people are supposed to be. That's what God intended for you and I. Now, you might say, well, where did it go wrong? Where did it go wrong? Because we don't see the kingdom rule wherever the children of God are, or the people or humans are. We don't see that. Well, we found out that in chapter 3 of Genesis, sin was introduced. And the minute sin is introduced, sin always throws sand into the gears. Sin always makes life far more difficult than it ought to be. That's what sin does. So the question is, did sin destroy the image of God? Well, firmly, the answer is no, it didn't destroy it. It has disfigured it. It doesn't look like it used to. The image of God didn't look like God intended it to. When Adam and Eve were walking in the garden, he gave them authority to rule. His intention was for them to rule. Wherever they go, people should see God. That's what, they, that, that's what they intended. So what happened? Well, as we said, sin was introduced. It's disfigured it. It doesn't look like it used to. The world is very different. It's lost its moral purity. Its intellect is corrupted by falsehoods and misunderstandings. Its speech no longer glorifies God. Relationships are governed by selfishness rather than love. And unfortunately, we find that image everywhere. We find that image wherever we go. Now, I can understand 100% that those that don't know the Lord, they might not know better. But at least for the children of God, it shouldn't be like that for us, amen? We should be the image bearers that take this kingdom rule of God wherever we go. But here's the good news for everybody. Jesus came as the perfect image of God, and as we follow him step by step, day by day, and we do what he says in his word, then we become the image of Jesus, and that's what God is calling sanctification. Every day as you follow the Lord and make decisions to do things that are pleasing to the Lord, you start to bear that image of God again for people to see and to follow. And here is God's plan. God's plan is this, that you and I are dispersed and sent out to go into the schools, the marketplaces, the public places, political spaces, and you and I are to accurately reflect who God is as we are being conformed into His image day by day. That's God's plan. That's what He wants us to do. You are identified as an image bearer of God, and it's so important. Why? Because that's crucial to God's plan. How else is God going to get His word out there for others to follow if there's no example? If there's no example. People, we, I love what, what, what Peter said. He says, follow, uh, Paul says, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. He had an example. And he could tell others, follow me because I'm doing what Jesus did, and that's an image bearer. He was taking the kingdom rule of God wherever he went, and people could follow him. That's God, part of God's plan. So number one, we understand that we are the image bearer of God. That's who we are. The second thing is, why is this important? Number two is, I have a purpose in his story. You and I have a purpose in God's story. As we continue reading Genesis chapter 1 from verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule. It was God's intention for us to rule. 
That's what his intention is, that we should rule. So what is the purpose of the image bearer? The purpose of the image bearer is that they can bring God's rule. That's the purpose, that you and I bring his rule. Have you ever felt possibly in your life, if you look at your life, and you felt, you know, maybe you feel a bit unworthy because you just mess up. You just make silly mistakes and you feel, I'm not worthy. I don't feel like I, I, I can bear this image or carry the image of God. Or perhaps somewhere in your past, you sinned really big. You messed up like hugely. You got the gold crown or the gold medal for sinning. Maybe you feel that. And you feel because of that, you can't do anything significant because of what you did back then. Or perhaps you just feel, you know, what I do in life is just insignificant. It's just small. It's not really anything great. I don't think I can do anything significant for God. Or possibly, for a lot of people, they might feel that life is passing them by and they've missed that window of opportunity. They feel, you know what, I'm just too old. I've missed the window of opportunity. I've come to the Lord too late or I've waited too long to do anything in my life significant for the Lord. And you might feel like that. I don't know if that's any of you here this evening or those watching online, you fall into one of those categories. Well, here's a test for all of us. I wanted you, you to do a test. Are you ready? Okay, so I want you to do this. Do this. Take your two fingers. Feel if you have a pulse. Can you feel a pulse? Everybody should say yes or if we're in trouble. Okay, here's the thing. If you've got a pulse, God's got a plan. If you've got a pulse, God's got a plan. It's never too late. We all know the story of Moses. Many of us know it very well. But just very briefly, from obviously the time he was born, was not a great time. They were killing babies. So his mother built the little boat thing, stuck him on it, pushed him in the river. It was found by Pharaoh's daughter, just to not go through uh, chronologically, but he then was raised up in, the, in Pharaoh's palace. He then started to figure out in his life, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm called to, to free the, 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 the uh, Israelite nation. And he saw some Israelites being mistreated by an Egyptian. He then decided he's going to deal with it his way, kills the Egyptian guy. He gets found out. Pharaoh's not happy with him. And he then flees. Then he has around about a 40-year wilderness experience, 40 years. He was about 40 when that happened. He has about a 40-year wilderness experience. And then he experiences the burning bush at around about the age of 80. And here's the thing, family. At the age of 80, Moses had not yet done what he would be remembered for. At 80, Moses had not yet done what he would be remembered for. We know more of his story of how he got the children of uh, uh, the Israelites out of Egypt, the red, the spotting of the sea, the manna. We know all the stories of that, right? We think of that more than we do of his story prior to that. And maybe that's you here today. Maybe you think your life is insignificant or you might feel you're too old. Well, I want to say to you, don't give up because you might not yet have done what you'll be remembered for. And you've got to keep moving. You've got to keep going. You know, when God's intention with Adam and Eve, his purpose was for them to bring the kingdom rule of God into everything that they touched. That was his purpose. And we know he did that, did that right? When they were in the garden and named the animals, they really were doing that. Okay? And that's our purpose. Your and my purpose is to bring the kingdom rule of God into everything we touch. What's your purpose? That's what your golden egg is. The golden egg is 
to bring that kingdom rule of God into everything you touch. Now, your purpose and your assignment are not the same thing. Your purpose and your assignment are not the, the same thing. I'm going to give you three words. Three words. The first one is, well, that I want you to remember is the word, their identity. We've covered that already, step number one. Okay? Your identity. You made the image of God. The second word is, is the word purpose. And the third word is the word assignment. Now, if you get these three right, you're going to be okay in your life. If you get these three right, your identity, your purpose, and your assignment. Listen very carefully. Your purpose is to bring the kingdom rule of God into your assignment. Your assignment is where you are currently fulfilling your purpose. So let me say that to you again, okay? Your purpose is to bring the kingdom rule of God into your assignment. And your assignment is where you are currently fulfilling your purpose. I'm gonna explain it to you as we go on. So if it sounds a little bit confusing, hang in there, you're gonna get the picture as we go along. You see, you have one purpose, and that's to rule, to bring the kingdom rule of God. Now, that's going to look different than conventional worldly wisdom. The way we do that, our purpose, the way we do that is going to look different to conventional worldly wisdom. Look what it says here in Matthew. Jesus speaking here in Matthew 20 from verse 25, and he says this. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. The rulers of the Gentiles, the way the people lead the Gentile people, the ungodly people, he says they lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Verse 26, this is not the way you should do it as believers. That's my translation. Not so with you. Not so with you. In other words, as believers, you've got to do it a different way. The way the Gentile leaders do it is wrong. That's what he's saying. They're lording it over people, mistreating people, not treating them well. That's what Jesus is saying. Then in verse 26, he says, your way is different. He says, as children of God, your way is different. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, church, the kingdom rule of God looks different for you and I than it does out in the world. That's what Jesus is trying to say. In 1 Peter 5, it says the same thing, but it speaks to us as church leaders. So if you're a leader in the church, in whatever capacity you are, from a group leader, or anywhere within the church, whether you're a team leader on Dream Team, or you're leading a group, whether you're a pastor here, or you're full-time on staff, it says here in 1 Peter this way, verse 2 it says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. I want to jump down to verse 3 because this is the main portion. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Being examples to the flock. So what does that example look like? How? What is our purpose? What is that purpose that we have that we're supposed to do? How are we supposed to do that in our assignment? What does it look like? Well, it's a spirit-filled life. It means that when you walk into a room, the atmosphere should change. It changes first from where you are, and then it moves out through to others. You see, church, you must always remember this. You and I are not a thermometer. You're not a thermometer. A thermometer measures the temperature or the atmosphere. It tells you what it is. Anybody can tell you what's happening in the world. Oh, that's bad, that's bad. You can do that. That's what thermometers do. They just point out what is there. You and I are supposed to be thermostats. 
A thermostat sets the temperature of the atmosphere. Sets it. How many of you have ever switched on an air conditioner or in your car? You turn that to the number you want it to be, right? Today you're turning it up <laughs> when you leave. And you're going you're gonna to turn it. That's going to change what the inside of your car feels like. And we are supposed to be like that. We are not supposed to point and say that's wrong. We are supposed to go and change it to be what it's supposed to be. That's our responsibility. You see, church, we bring the kingdom rule of God, which is what? What is the kingdom rule of God? Here it is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's what the kingdom rule of God is. We got to bring that into our assignment wherever we go. You to bring that into your assignment. That's, your, that's the purpose of God, is to bring that kingdom rule of God. Look what it says here in Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 1. This is an example of living that out. Look what it says here. I love this. In verse 1. Yeah, Paul writes and he says, as a prisoner for the Lord. Now, yes, Paul's saying, not only am I an apostle, I'm also a prisoner. I'm in a bad place. I'm a prisoner. And I'm about to tell you something. And he says, I'm going to tell you it because I have street credit. I've been there. And this is what he says. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That calling is your purpose. Live a life worthy of that purpose to bring the kingdom rule of God. Look at verse 2. Here it is. Be completely humble and gentle. Be completely humble and gentle. Let me ask you a question. Do you know anybody, anybody who's completely humble and gentle? Do you know anybody that's completely humble and gentle? Well, this is the thing. We're supposed to be like that. That stands out in our world. Completely humble and gentle stands out in our world. You see, unfortunately, family, the culture we live in today doesn't reward that. The culture we live in doesn't reward completely humble and gentle. The culture we live in rewards certainty. People are certain, even if they're wrong. There are people out there that are fighting for causes that are wrong. They're arrogant about it. They're dogmatic about it. They are aggressive about it. And they've got people that support them. You see it in the news. You see it everywhere. We see that everywhere. People have this attitude. I'm, even if I'm wrong, I'm going to just prove my point. I'm going to fight it even if I'm wrong. And people support that. But yeah, we're reading that uh, uh, Paul says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bearing with one another in love. Verse 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Through the bond of peace. That's what God wants us to do. The image bearer brings that kingdom rule of God wherever they go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So say this to with me this evening. Say this. My purpose is to bring the kingdom rule of God into my current assignment. You see, you'll have, you'll have several assignments in your life. You'll have several assignments in your life. When you're at school, that's one, that's one season of your assignment. Then you may go to college or university. That's a different season or assignment in your life. Then you may get a job and work. That's a different assignment in your life. You may get married and have children. That's another assignment in your life. You'll have different assignments as you go through your life, okay? Whatever those are, different places you work different parts of your journey that you go on in life. In every one of those assignments, we are to bring this kingdom rule of God. This love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, self-control. 
Some of you may have small assignments in our life. Every one of us will have, will have a, a, a micro assignment, small assignments. For example, when you're in a coffee shop having coffee with somebody, are you bringing the kingdom rule of God there? For our wonderful dream teeners that, that stand at the doors and greet everybody, they're holding a door open. They're showing the kingdom rule of God. They're just showing love to the people. So you might have those small ones wherever you go. But then some of you might be involved with macro assignments, big things. You may start massive companies and employ hundreds of people. Okay, you might do something great and be part of a team that invents something amazing, like putting rockets into space or creating something like we did in our country with the first heart operations. And you might be part of a great team that does amazing things. But here's the problem. Many people get this all mixed up. They start mixing their assignment with their identity. And they think that what they're doing is who they are. That's not who you are. You are not the corporate that you built. You are not as insignificant as you think because you're just holding a door open. That's not who you are. You're made in the image of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter if you do something that you think is big or small. Wherever you go and whatever your assignment is, that's where you are now in your life, your assignment now. That's where you need to bring the kingdom rule of God into our lives. So I want to encourage you today to go all in in bringing the kingdom rule of God, which is your purpose into your assignment, which is what you are doing right now in your life, wherever that is. Even if you're unemployed, you can bring the kingdom rule into that situation. Show people love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, and self-control. And here's the thing. When we do that, when we understand that we're made in the image of God, and we're the image bearer wherever we go, and we bring this kingdom rule of God, point number three then is this that God brings a blessing. God brings a blessing. You see, blessings follow obedience. And in one Genesis 1.28, it said, God blessed them. God blessed them. And He will do the same for you and I if we live this life out. Amen? So let's go make a difference. That is the purpose for all of us. doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing. Our purpose remains the same, is to bring the kingdom rule of God to wherever we are. Amen? So I want to leave that with you as we go forward this week. Let's go make a difference. Praise the Lord. Well, every head bowed and every eyes closed. This evening as we sit under the word of God, you might be sitting here and just questioning how, what your relationship is like with God. You might be thinking, how do I go out and do that when I don't even know how God sees me? I don't feel like I'm right with the Lord, Pastor. What do I do? Well, friend, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want to give you that opportunity this evening. You see, the Bible promises us in the book of Romans that if I will confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. In other words, I'll be in right standing with God. And so I want to give you that opportunity. Perhaps you're here today or you're online and you've never made a decision to receive Jesus into your heart. Well, I want to pray for you this evening. Or perhaps you used to serve the Lord and, and right now you feel your relationship has grown cold. It's not where it used to be. Well, friend, if you'll allow me to include you in this prayer, you can get that relationship back on track where it used to be with the Lord. Or my third and final invitation is to anybody here today that says, Pastor, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to me if I breathe my last. I don't know. Will I make it into heaven or will I slip into the flames of hell? I don't know. Well, please allow me to include you in this prayer and you will know for sure 
that heaven is your home. So I'm going to count to three. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not asking you to come out to me. I'm not going down to where you are. But in a moment when I count to three, if you want me to include you in the prayer, you want to come to Jesus for the first time, come back to him, or know for sure that heaven is your home, just raise your hand as I count to three, and I'll include you in, in this prayer while heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just raise your hand. I want to come back to Jesus. I want to make my life right. Just raise it high so I can see it above your head, so I can see it. God bless you. Well done. God bless you, ma'am. Great decision. Well done. God bless you, ma'am. Great, great decision. There's another hand at the back there. Well done. God bless you. I want to know for sure that my life is right with God. Well, let me pray for you this evening. Wherever you are, just slip your hand up. <clears throat> and I'm inviting a leader just to come down to you and place the hand on your shoulder. We just want to stand in agreement with you in prayer. That's all we want to do. And so a member of our church or a leader is just going to put their hand on your shoulder right now. And we're going to pray this prayer together. I'm going to ask everybody here tonight, let's all pray this prayer together, every one of us, but especially those of you that raised your hand. <clears throat> let's say this together. Are you ready? Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight just as I am. I ask you, Lord, please forgive me for every sin. I do believe Jesus is Lord and he was raised from the dead. I choose tonight to forgive every person who has hurt, <clears throat> has hurt me or offended me. <clears throat> and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.